You're listening to the regular podcast from Pete the Vet's blog. This was first broadcast on East Coast FM. Uh, Pete the Vet, Pete Wedderburn from uh, Bray Vets in Old Connor and Bray is back. Uh, Pete, you're very welcome. Thanks Good for morning. Good morning. Um, we've a, f- a lot of questions to get through, mm-hmm. but firstly, before we get to them, and I just want to give out the text again, it's uh, 087-7711-103 if you have a question uh, for Pete. Let's talk about toxic summertime plants because these can be a big, big problem for animals. Yes, um... Animals, dogs especially, they're very prone just to, to, as opposed to eating things and then asking questions later. They don't really, they're not fussy. Mm. If they they see something that looks interesting, they'll just eat it. And that uh, is what they do in nature because they're scavengers and that's how they get their food. But for pet dogs in our gardens, it means they sometimes eat uh, plants which aren't good for them and which can be toxic. Now, the good news is that most plants, uh, the toxicity is pretty minor and all it does is gives them an upset stomach and so they, they might um, go off their food for a day they might vomit they might have a you know a little bit of a, a loose tummy but then it settles down so in most cases that's all we see with plant poisonings but um there are some specific plants which can cause more serious signs um and that's what people should be aware of really um i just thinking about that one would assume you know, given the balance of nature, mm. um, that these plants generally have been around forever mm. um, and that dogs have been eating them forever and therefore mm. it's found its own balance in terms of the, the, the yep. ecosystem. Let's go at that. You're right, to some extent, uh, and as a vet, I would very rarely see poisoning cases like this because I think even though the plants are toxic, generally um, they're not that palatable, attractive, and generally dogs would eat, have to eat quite a lot mm in order to, to be affected. So what are the bad ones we're talking about? So the bad ones would include um, yew, yew trees, um, tulips, uh, daffodils, crocuses, and in these cases the dog would actually have to dig down and eat the, 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 bulb. the bulbs yeah. and so on. They're unlikely to do that in most cases. Um, rhododendrons, um, again, dog would have to eat quite a lot of that to, to, to be made made ill, um, foxgloves, hyacinths, uh, lily of the valley. So, as a vet in practice, I tend to see more um, situations, for example, a dog came in last year that had literally um, been fine in the morning, and when, it, when they only went out to the garden, two hours later the dog was on his side thrashing around, and that dog was rushed to us, and it had poisoning that was from something the dog had eaten, but in the end, we were never absolutely able to identify what it was. Mm. Um, uh, we think it probably was something in the compost. And I think that the message for owners really should be, don't worry too much about scrutinising your garden and saying, gosh, I'm going to have to get rid of those tulips or the, because of the risk or whatever. Instead of that, keep an eye on your animal and make sure that they behave reasonably normal. You know, if your dog literally goes to the, a bed and starts digging up and munching daffodil bulbs well stop them from doing it yeah, yeah but yeah. these things are pretty un- unlikely mm. to happen okay okay somebody somebody said uh, sarah in bolton last was on i have a boxer with a lump on his neck it's been taken off by the vet sent for biopsy should i be worried i guess you should be worried um boxes, anyway yeah, one, boxes, one, 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 well, boxes are an interesting breed because they are prone to a number of different tumors and the, the the challenge is that some of those tumors are completely benign and some of them are highly malignant and Often they look identical. So a dog, a young dog even, could have a, 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 a lump the size of a thumbnail come up and it could be red and sore looking. Um, and when you look at it, 
Um, it's really hard to know what it is. It could be something called a histiocytoma, which is completely benign and even might go away by itself if you just left it. Or it could be a mast cell tumour, which is highly malignant and needs radical surgery and sometimes follow-up chemotherapy as well. So, because they look the same when you look at them, the only answer is to take a biopsy and have it sent off to the laboratory. And what they do is they stain the, the cells and examine them under the microscope and they can then tell you the precise nature of the tumour. And that's the only way to tell. So I guess I'd be slightly worried, but I wouldn't be really worried until I got the results because most often these cases are benign. Okay, somebody was on here who says, can you please warn people not to give their dogs corn on the cob? Our poor baby, I presume it means a dog, mm. uh, ate one and the cob got stuck in his intestines. He had to get life-changing surgery. Yeah, that's, that's a really common one. People don't realise it. If you're having a barbecue, dogs love chewing corn on the cob because often it's a little bit got a bit of salt on it, a bit of butter even, and it's a, a nice texture for them to chew. The problem is that the corrugated surface of a corn on the cob, even if they chew it down so it's in like one inch lengths, the corrugated surface around the outside of the cob remains, and that, for some reason, um, while a dog can swallow it, once it gets into the stomach and intestines. Um, it's like there's major friction between the corn and the cob and the wall of the intestine, and it just sticks. So it's really prone to becoming completely stuck. And when that happens, the only option is surgical removal, which is a big deal, yeah, yeah. And, and there's a mortality rate. So, yes, yeah, so and yeah. I imagine, uh, you know, for, for anybody who's ever had surgery as a human being, it's the same situation yeah. for don't we? and uh, perhaps we just don't look at it you know if you had a, if you had major surgery mm. you'd be recuperating for quite some time mm. the, you've got to sit the dog down and say kind of recuperate it Let's you, it's, it's yeah. a really big deal so the best answer is just don't let dogs chew corn on the cobs it's as simple as that okay put them in the bin don't leave them around right jack was on he says uh, can you ask pete about dogs around ant powder thank you yeah um ant powder wouldn't be highly toxic to dogs but again, I think the same thing would apply, that you, if you put ant powder down and your dog goes up and starts licking it, well, take your dog away. Don't let your dog do that. Anywhere where you put down any sort of toxin, it makes sense to exclude the animal for a period of time so that they don't get exposed to a big dose. Right, so avoid anyway, if yeah. you can. Yeah, avoid, yeah. All those, all, avoid all of that sort of stuff anyway, I would yeah. have thought, if you, it if makes you possibly can. just common but, sense, But I suppose really. dogs and animals, they just sniff things out. They're just naturally curious. They are. But, I mean, there are some poisons that are utterly highly toxic where even a few licks could be enough to kill a dog and that's not one of them so don't get too worried about it okay i, I want to get a rescue dog says kate and dunlavin and i have a small child what should i be aware of uh, when getting a rescue dog well she said beware of i don't know aware or beware are the same thing in this respect well i, I always think the best thing is to simply engage with the staff at the rescue center because they spend their lives rehoming dogs to people and they have a really strong interest in making it work. The last thing they want to do is to rehome a dog to you that doesn't work out, and then the dog will have to come back to them, and then they've got to start all over again. So their main drive is to get a good match. So the best thing is to go with your child to a good rescue centre and look at what's there and talk to the people. And they'll look at you and they'll talk to you, they'll find out about your home situation, and they'll find an animal to match you. And... Um, if you don't find one the first place, then don't worry too much. Don't rush into doing this. The right animal is out there. And I think you will know when you find the right animal. Uh, there's always... It's not just about 
what sounds right on paper, it's always about chemistry as well. A little bit of chemistry. When you when you find the right dog, they will like you, and you will like them, and you'll know it's just meant to be. You'll know when you fall in love. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Tom and Arto, final one. My dog. Well, that's a bit strong. My dog. My dog is going to kennels for the first time in August. Do I need to get him any shots beforehand? Well, yes. Um, because in a boarding kennel, dogs are exposed to one another in quite close close proximity. And that means that if any dog comes in carrying a virus of some kind, if the other dogs aren't protected against that virus, it could go right through the whole kennel and there could be a really major health issue. So for that sense, for that reason, all dog um, kennel owners insist that dogs are fully vaccinated. That means vaccinated against the standard viral diseases. That means distemper, hepatitis and parvovirus. They have to have that as puppies, then a year later, then they have to have boosters every three to four years. But they also need to be protected against leptospirosis, and that's an annual vaccination. And finally, specifically for kennels, they should be protected against a disease called kennel cough, and that's a once-yearly shot as well. Funny enough, it's, it's a strange vaccine in that it's not given by injection, it's given by being squirted into a dog's nose which is really peculiar. It trickles into their nose and it prompts the cells on the lining of the nose to produce antibodies against kennel cough. Okay, so, all very interesting. All right, yeah. Pete, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, Pete Wedderburn from uh, Brave Vets in yeah. Old Connor. Uh, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming in. Thank, Thank you very you, much. Pete.